Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Get out the way. If only Josh Norman would have heeded that advice when Derrick Henry was rolling at him, head full of steam, 42-16, all Titans on Tuesday night football, which Key and I were joking could become a thing if the ratings come back big. It's a day that ends in Y. We could be playing NFL football for sure. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Real quick, the Titans will have an opportunity to take on the Houston Texans on a short week. Meanwhile, Buffalo will get the Chiefs, so a chance for redemption for Josh Allen after that first loss of the season. That'll be on Monday night. That game has been pushed back to Monday. The Titans are undefeated. The Atlanta Falcons sit at 0-5 for the first time since 1997, uh, a few days ago, they fired their head coach, Dan Quinn, and their general manager, Thomas Dimitrov. And we are now joined by the Falcons president and CEO, Rich McKay. He's with us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Uh, Jay, I know you wanted to start out here with Mr. McKay. He joins us this morning on Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin. Hey, Rich, how you doing, my man? Good morning. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. I hear you. I had, I had to ask you a really tough question to start. If yep. you can do it all over again. Would you still give up two first rounders for Keyshawn Johnson? There's a Super Bowl trophy. There's a Super Bowl trophy sitting in uh, in somewhere down in Tampa, and I know Key played a part in that. So yes, I would. Uh, I, you know, people forget what a good player Keyshawn was. Um, I know he's opinionated. I know he's got something to say because I've heard him. But I also know what a good player he was. You guys may not see it, but if you go back and look at the tape, he's a pretty good player. No, they but it know. is a hard question. It is a hard question. And I, let me think about it overnight, and I'll call you back. Richard, Richard, no, we know. Trust me, Keyshawn reminds us daily of how good he was. How you doing there, big guy? I'm doing fine. You know, this is uh, not where we wanted to be. Um, you know, and a very uh, – I'm, I'm sorry about the situation. You know, I have personal relationships, you know, really good ones and long ones with the coach and the GM. And uh, – we had a team that we, you know, we had much higher expectations than this. But you know, this is part of the league, um, and you, you know, Raheem. So we've got to now set reset a little bit and uh, and try to win some football games. What what was the what what's the biggest frustration though about this season? Getting off to an zero and five start after starting off slow last year, then getting a little momentum at the yep. end of last season. Yep. So you know, I think you know, three years in a row, right? We were one and four uh, two years ago, one and four last year, and then zero and five this year. So, you know, you get to October, and all of a sudden, it, it's not an uphill climb. It, it's even more than that. Uh, but last year, really, you know, we, we wanted to see the year play out. We wanted to see how we could, you know, improve the team as year went on. We were six and two in the last half of the year. They weren't they weren't phony games, Key. They weren't they weren't games. <laughs> we played the 49ers at the 49ers. We played the Saints at New Orleans. We played Carolina at Carolina when Carolina was still in it. Um, won all three of those games and played well. Played, you know, top 10 defense in the second half of the season, top 10 offense in the second half of the season. Liked our offseason. Um, Dan and Thomas set it up in a way. We ended up, you know, Todd Gurley's come in. Uh, Dante Fowler's come in. We had a good draft. I mean, so we had high expectations. So to get here and to get ourselves to 0-5, that, that's just it was very disappointing. Really hard on the fan base, but also hard on the team itself, as you can imagine. Rich, how do you handle situations when your owner, Arthur Blank, comes out and says that he hopes Matt Ryan will be a part of the future moving forward, but yet he won't make those type of decisions? What is the future for Matt Ryan? What can we expect? Yeah, so with, with Matt, you know, li- listen, I, and, and Key knows this, I've played in the league long enough, um, you're blessed when you have a quarterback that wins football games and wins them as consistently 
uh, and for as long a period of time as Matt Ryan, and then uh, is as good a leader as he is. So in, in Atlanta, we're very, very fortunate to have Matt Ryan. Um, you know, but you have to you have to always say it the way Arthur said it because you do have to let people come in and look and evaluate. Doesn't mean Matt Ryan will not be a part of the of the organization going forward because Matt Ryan has earned it. He is a very good football player. And when you look at um, this season, if you look at the first three weeks of the season, Matt played at an, you know, a very high level. His numbers were excellent, not good, excellent. Last two games, we didn't play as well on offense. Um, and all, always that burden falls back to the quarterback. But as a fan uh, of a player and a person and a leader, uh, that for me, uh, Matt Ryan, he checks a lot of those boxes. I know what the franchise looked like the year after Michael – uh, had his issue uh, in 2007, and you know Michael Vick and had to leave the franchise. Bobby Petrino had been the coach, left the franchise. I know what where the franchise was, and I know who helped get us out of there and get us to you know truly one of the winninger winningest franchises. That was Matt Ryan. Rich McKay, Atlanta Falcons president, CEO, and my former general manager, Super Bowl winning champs in Tampa Bay. Uh, Rich, when you look at Raheem Morris, who's on the sideline, taking over in an interim position in moving forward. What will be the process in terms of selecting the next general manager, head coach, and will Raheem be in the mix as we move forward to possibly be the head coach? Yeah, so, Key, I think for us, uh, for for Arthur, um, we will take our time. Uh, As you know, if you look at all of the protocols for the NFL um, you can't really do anything until the season's over. So I've never really kind of been in this interim situation like this other than the Petrino situation, and um, that was with three weeks to go. We've got 11 weeks to go. So for Raheem, it's a really good opportunity. He does get to lead the team and, uh, and, and step out front for a long period of time with a substantial body of work, uh, which is cool. And, and yeah, it could, could be a part of, of – um, his case, if you will, for, for, the, uh, for the job. I think for us, we'll take our time, we'll do our research, we'll be ready to go, um, and we'll be ready to go as soon as that season's over and we're allowed to do what, you know, what we can do from an interview standpoint. It won't be – a lot of people want to always say, well, shouldn't you hire the general manager first and then let the general manager hire the coach? Listen, I've seen it many different ways. Uh, Thomas Dimitrov was an incredibly successful GM for us um, for 13 years. We wanted to hire the GM first when we hired him, uh, but Mike Smith uh, we liked as a candidate, and we decided on Mike Smith before Thomas. Uh, and then what we did is we said to Thomas as we got ready to hire him, hey, why don't you make sure you talk to Mike Smith before we sign the contract and see if you guys um, are going to you know, see eye to eye, and they did. And it turned out to be a really good partnership. Mike and Thomas won more games together as a GM and a coach than anybody in, in our history. So, People will tell you there's a formula to this key, but there, there, there isn't because the timetable and the fact that there are other clubs uh, competing for coaches at the same time always makes things happen a little, you know, not as predictably as, as you would think. Do you, do you think you would and – and I know this is a tough question right now, but the last three head coaches have been defensive-minded head coaches. Yep. Do you think that maybe you look for – I don't know, a Sean McVay type and an Eric Bieniemy from an offensive standpoint, or does it mean, or does it, does it matter, I guess? Yeah, so, you know, we've done a lot of work over the years. We always do this work um, when you look at coaches. Almost every year we update it on, you know, who the successful coaches are. Are they coming from the offensive side? Are they coming from the defensive side? Are they coming as special teams coaches? 
you know, how many years have they been coordinators? Have they been prior head coaches? We've got all that analytics, and it, and it really is pretty equal. Um, but in our case, we, we went in last time with the idea that, hey, let's look and see, you know, if there's somebody on the offensive side uh, that, that could work for us. But Dan Quinn was an outstanding candidate, two Super Bowl appearances uh, in a row in Seattle as a defensive coordinator, and a resume from a leadership standpoint and a, and a reference standpoint is incredible. So, yeah, we'll look. Um, but I would say to you that if you, you know, it wouldn't mean that you should just go offense because we've gone defense. Yeah. Last thing for Rich McKay, the president and CEO of the Atlanta Falcons. This is another hat you wear, as if that job isn't big enough. You're a member of the NFL's Health and Safety Committee, so I want to know what's being done around the league to further prevent outbreaks, as we've seen in Tennessee and other places around the league, Rich. Yeah, so, you know, um, I think that uh, the two words that I use this whole time uh, that uh, that we've been in this pandemic, uh, which is, I'm not sure I even know the definition, but I know it's not good, um, is adjust and adapt, right? So you've seen all the protocols. I mean, if you look at, I've got a notebook that's around here somewhere that um, has got to be, I, I'm not exaggerating to say it's 250 pages long of protocols that we have for our players, <clears throat> for when they're on campus, for when we go on the road, for when we go into hotels. So I just think the one thing you need to, to realize from the outside is those things are evolving. They do change um, as we learn more about the virus and how the virus can be spread. I think that you don't ever like to see the outbreak like there was in Tennessee, similar to what happened to the Marlins in baseball. Um, but I think as a league, you know, we've done as, as good as we can do and we've adjusted over time. So I look at us and we've had a couple individual tests. We have, knock on wood, we have not, um, we've not had multiple outbreaks. Uh, and I, I give credit to the protocols for that. Um, but you've got, to, you've got to really push the players You've really got to push the uh, the coaches to remain uncomfortable because this is not comfortable. The way we're operating right now is not the way uh, Key remembers when he played. I mean, it's just it's just different. I mean, we don't even have a locker room, really. so just think of that. That we're at a facility where we're not using a locker room um, because that's what's going on. You've got to keep pushing people to remain uncomfortable and live within the protocols. To me, that's that's what's going to serve us well. In, in Tennessee's case, I can't give them enough credit for the game they played last night because I can't imagine what they've been going through um, for the last two weeks. Uh, but let's hope that that's a one-off and um, and that people continue to stay to the protocols and that as the protocols change, as we get more information, we adapt and we adjust. Fair enough. Well said. Let's hope indeed that is the worst of it, but we'll have to cross our fingers and go day by day. A new era for the Atlanta Falcons begins this week when they take on the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. Rich, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate Gentlemen, it. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Talk uh, to you, Rich. Keith. Okay, thanks, we'll Rich. talk. Thanks for boosting Key's ego. Appreciate it. <laughs> Be quiet, man. Hey, that's my man. He I like know, Rich. No, I, I like You know what he got? Like he said, put in the film, man. That's all. I don't have to prove my point. I let people do it for me. I remember when I played 20 years ago. Go ahead. (laughs) One more NFL topic. We're asking you, the Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin Nation on Twitter. Big story in the NFL yesterday. Sure, it was the Titans, as Rich mentioned, going to 4-0, but also the release of Le'Veon Bell becomes a free agent at 4 p.m. Eastern today, if anybody is interested. So is this release and this failed tenure with the Jets more of an indictment on the Jets or on Bell himself. 64% of you that have waited on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed said, the Jets, including, this might be the best Twitter name we've, uh, we've had on the show so far, at Cam Blam Wham. 
who just hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Quote, as a Dolphins fan, I know firsthand how awful Gase is for players. Everyone who is able to escape his system flourishes. Key, how about that? I mean, it speaks for itself, right? I mean, I don't want to continue to just keep beating it. It speaks for itself. You, you, you look at him in Miami when he was the head coach. It's like, I just don't really understand the process when you go to hire people. Like, like the guy we just had on the Rich McKay, that's the type of general manager I'm looking to hire. I'm looking to hire somebody that's competent like that. When what he kind was of RG. traits did he bring? When, when he was a general manager at the Tampa Bay Bucks. Not only did he know talent, whether he was John Lynch uh, or Warren Sapp or signing Simeon Rice or drafting Derrick Brooks and Rondé Barber and Brian Kelly and Mike Allstott and, De- and Warg Dunn. That's what you want in running an organization, taking them from the ugly yellow, uh, what do they call it, creamsicle jerseys to putting us in the pewter. That that is a general manager. Then going from from Tampa to Atlanta in the middle of the night and helping that franchise turn around. I think Joe Douglas is the right guy for it. But prior to Joe Douglas, why would you hire this dude? Like what makes you – what – was on his resume that said, Adam Gase, that's the guy. Now you're stuck with this situation where you've gotten rid of Jamal Adams for draft picks, which I, I like that on Joe Douglas's part because they can build off of that. Your quarterback that you drafted third overall, who many people thought and still think is going to be a hell of a pro, now looks like he doesn't even know how to play football half the time. Also, we're having conversations about, is that Trevor Lawrence, Dabo Sweeney package? Like, those things are looming from a rumor perspective. Like, I just don't understand how you hired him in the first place to put you in this position. I just will never understand it. Key, I just feel like this whole narrative about this whole Le'Veon Bell situation being a win-win for both sides needs to stop. This is not a win-win for both sides. Why is it a win-win? I'm saying, like, well, people were trying to claim, well, this is a win-win. Like, Le'Veon Bell doesn't want to be here. Now the Jets can move forward. Le'Veon Bell can move forward to a different location. I'm sitting there saying, well, that's a win for Le'Veon Bell. I was about to say, that's a a win win for for Le'Veon Bell. Bell. He got his money from you. Now he's out. Now he gets to go to a team that he goes to. Look, he'll probably No matter how much smut. See, here's the problem. They're going to try to smear him. Ah, he was disgruntled. No matter how much smut you put on Le'Veon Bell. Everybody knows where he's coming from. He's coming from a bad exactly. run organization. So that's not going to stop teams from siding. And now the Jets are left with their hands empty. And this goes back to what we talked about before. If you come into a situation as a head coach and you don't like a player, even if you're not willing to build schemes around him, you're making him adapt yeah, you to your play, schemes. You just play the game a little bit. Yeah, you know what you do? You create value for yeah, him. Yeah, you create value for him. You create you know, that lure. Hey, other teams, he's out there. He's an incredible player. Buying well, that's, in. That's one of the big things that if you watch preseason football in the NFL for many years, one of the things that they would do is their players that were decent, right, and maybe we were going to move on from them, they would utilize them even more in the preseason to get them out there so people could say, okay. And now when they go to move them after the preseason is over with, they have some value. They devalue Le'Veon Bell from the giddy-up. When he first started complaining about – the contract situation, that devalued Le'Veon no matter what because at that point, you teed off Le'Veon. Now, Le'Veon doesn't even like you. If you never, ever said anything about Le'Veon's contract, you wouldn't even have – Le'Veon wouldn't walk down the hallway 
not speaking to you. Le'Veon wouldn't frown at you when he see you drive through the parking lot. Le'Veon would get up and leave the cafeteria when you walk in the cafeteria. I'm not saying he did all those things. I just know how people think. Self-inflicted yeah. wounds, man. And when you do that, that's what happens. Can we talk about a good football team? Go ahead. The New York Giants. No, oh. I don't, I'm not trying to talk about any New York football team. The Tennessee Titans is that? No, where you I, go? I was just, just trying, trying to change get, the subject. Get, he's just trying. I to wasn't get looking for a team; just rather talk about good football teams. Sure. Last word on Gase, who is not good, but this is worth mentioning because Key had obviously mentioned what has this guy done. We'll have Allen Robinson, by the way, the Bears' wide receiver. He'll join us at nine forty-five Eastern. So, Key, wide receiver to wide receiver on a team that's faring a little better than the Atlanta Falcons or the New York Jets. All right, fellas. So, at this particular point, Gase is. 0-5, so it seems unlikely that he would salvage a winning season. That means if he makes it through the season, if he does, he, will have, com- he will have completed five seasons as an NFL head coach, and in four of the five, he will have had a losing record. In fact, in year one, he was 10-6. and six. They made the playoffs. Since then, 6-10, and 7-9, 7-9, 0-5. That's what he's been essentially the last three and a half years. What do I always say, and I'm going to stick to this till I die, about a head coach or coaches taking over a team in his first year. What always happens? They always make a strong run. It just happens because there's a new jolt of energy that comes into a locker room when a team has some sort of, you know, established players or whatever. And they, and they, and they went to the playoffs down in Miami. They went 10 and six. Correct. And so after that, the personality of the team now shifts to the head coach. And that head coach, if he's worth anything, the team continues to move forward with that head coach, and they start to win and win and win. That did not happen in Miami. It didn't. So what would make you think that the New York Jets got Vince Lombardi number two? After seeing him twice a year in the division. I'll never get it. And I know it's a small sample size, but you're telling me Bill O'Brien gets fired from the Texans, Romeo Cornell comes in, and all of a sudden their offense finds itself? It just sometimes it's a, it's a little bit of a jolt. I'm that's saying all. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it takes a clean slate. Let's get players to buy into something different. So keeping Adam Gase is a good thing because all of a sudden, if you terminate him right now, and then uh, uh, Sean Jefferson takes over, for instance, a receiver coach okay. becomes a head coach, and they run off ten games in a row, just give him the damn job. <laughs> that's what it, that's what the Jets don't want to have to do. We'll see. They'll be going to Gase's old stomping grounds, Miami. On Sunday. <clears throat> Sorry, the Jets still wouldn't win 10 in a row. Go ahead. No, yeah. no of yeah. course not. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Even you Sarc- wouldn't get one of those odds. <laughs> Got it. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. You need the best coverage and not just football, but your wireless network too. Straight Talk Wireless gives you the same networks as the big carriers for up to half the cost. 45 bucks a month for 25 gigs of high-speed data, then 2G. Savings may vary. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. Straight ahead, a five-time NBA champion, who's going to join us to talk about maybe one of the greatest players the WNBA has ever seen. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It almost seems fair those are the final words of the 2020 NBA season because the guy that put the final stamp on the season was the king, who many thought at the beginning of the season, if everything went according to plan, then the coronavirus hit, the Lakers would win the championship better late than never, stranger than ever before. The Lakers are their champions, the 17th. On the Shell Pennzoil performance line, we are joined by a guy that was as integral to five of them as Kobe or anyone in the modern era, and that is Derek Fisher, so inextricably linked with Kobe. He, along with Kobe, a five-time NBA champion, all in purple and gold. He currently coaches the other purple and gold. He's the head coach of the Los Angeles Sparks, and we'll talk about one of the greatest players in WNBA history with him in just a second. But, Derek, good morning. First things for, uh, first, things first um, what did you think as a former Laker legend watching the Lakers win that title the way they did in the bubble Sunday night? Uh, well, first, good morning uh, to everybody, man. Good morning, guys. Hope everybody's families and loved ones are safe and healthy. Um, second, uh, you know, I, I definitely was was proud to to watch this team. Uh, you know, not just Sunday night as they finished it off, but even throughout the season before COVID, um, it was it was really one of the first teams. And whether they won the title or not this year, it was one of the first teams that reminded me of some of the teams that um, I played on. And I guess it's no accident that it does remind me of that because of the greatness of LeBron and AD. And, you know, me being fortunate enough to play with Kobe and Shaq for so long. And then, uh, you know, a few years later, Kobe and Pau Gasol and just the the impact of what two great players can have on a team. And then, you know, the the rest of the guys buying into what's going on. Um, So it, it definitely was a special group to watch all season. D Fish, Jay Will here. How you doing, brother? I'm good, Jay Will. How are you, man? I'm I'm doing good, man. It uh, it feels like yesterday I played against you and and Kobe and and, and Shaq and obviously playing with those two um, in, incredible duo. Where do you think LeBron and AD rank amongst the great duos to play, donning the Laker uniform? Man, it's oof. That's a great question. I and. You know, I'm I'm always one of those guys that I, I try to, you know, reserve like that, you know, that that long lasting where they're going to end up in their whole career kind of, you know, summary because there's so many chapters left most of the time in these athletes' careers when we try to we try to crown them as something after two years, and we haven't even seen the rest of the book yet. And I and but for some reason LeBron doesn't really look like. <laughs> He's slowing down as much as you would think after year 17 and another title. Um, so, I, I mean, I, they have the chance at least, I would think, over the next couple of years to compete for another championship or two. But, I mean, they're as dominant as, you know, as any two guys. Like, I know it's a different game. The game is played differently than even when we played it. But what these two guys do statistically, how efficient they both are, uh, the way they physically dominate the game offensively and defensively, you know, I, I don't know, even Kobe and Shaq as dominant as they were and our teams were. Right? I mean, these guys look like they're going to be able to lead their team to multiple championships as well, or at least in contention. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's impressive. So 
I, I have to tip my cap. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes in the next couple of years, assuming AD stays and they stay together. But these, these guys are fun to watch together. Derek Fisher, Los Angeles Sparks head coach, five-time NBA champion. Think about it, five-time mm-hmm. NBA champion. There's not a lot of guys that can walk around claiming that they have five rings at anything. What's up, D-Fish? Hey, how you doing, man? I'm, I'm good, man. Thank you for waking up on that West Coast and, and joining us. <laughs> let, let me ask you this. Out of all the, the 17 championships, and I know you got the five, and, 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 but out of the 17, given – all of the circumstances, starting from China's issues with the NBA to the passing of Kobe and Gigi to the pandemic to the unrest and all the situations we go and deal with in the black communities, brown communities, to the bubble, to out of the bubble, to back into the bubble, to the number one seed, to uh, up 3-1, up 3-1. You know, where does this championship in, in Laker history rank out of those 17, given all of that? Yeah, I mean, I was really sitting here thinking about it, you know, like as you were rattling those things off, Key, and, and you know, they all will have obviously a special place in everybody's heart. You know, the, 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 the multiple decades of difference of which ones and which era and all of those things, but I'm, I'm going to have a hard time even, you know, having been on some of those teams really connecting to a championship in the history of the Lakers franchise that is more meaningful, not necessarily more impressive or, you know, they were the best Lakers team in history. Not like I'm not going to get into that conversation, but more meaningful in terms of its impact and what it may represent. And I, I think the number one reason for that, in addition to the things you said, was the fact that we lost Kobe this year and what what kind of hole that left in everybody's heart uh, around the world, here in L.A., for the sports world. And to, to have a championship won in the year that we lost somebody that is so, uh, you know, meaningful to Lakers history, I, I just, I think this championship, when you combine it with the conversation and the movement around social injustice and racial inequalities um, and, and voting rights suppression and, and all of the things that these guys are representing, when you combine that with the loss of Kobe and, and just what L.A. needed to have happen right now, like this, this, just for a little moment, there was a glimmer of hope that like this world might be okay for, for anybody that loves the Lakers. And I, I think that's why people would just always remember it as like this standalone one championship that's different than all the other ones. And, that, you know, that, again, it doesn't mean they're the best ever, but it, it, it's it's the most meaningful and most impactful one because of what all was at stake. Mm-hmm. Fish, we were doing NBA Countdown. I was next to Paul Pierce and Jalen Rose, and we were listening to LeBron James speak at the podium. He was making mention of Jenny, B- Jenny Buss. I want her to have her respect. You know, the Lakers, I want them to have respect. And I want my damn respect, too. And I looked up at them both, and I said, I feel like that's something Kobe would say, right? Like, it had that <laughs> feel to it, man. Are you watching yeah. him, like, transform into something different as well because of this entire experience? Yeah, well, I, you know, when when LeBron first, you know, joined the Lakers in, in you know, last season, many people, and, and including myself, like, I, like, 
you don't just become something, you know, the first day, right? And and because of the history of the organization, like most of the guys that people consider to be Lakers, like play many, many years for the Lakers. So you can't just get crowned. Okay, well, yeah, he's a Laker <laughs> because of he's been there for a week. Like you don't you don't do it like that. And a lot of people that were still hesitant to give LeBron the love because of Kobe's like the way that they obsessively loved Kobe. So many people didn't want to like give it up to LeBron when he first got here. I'm a wait and see guy, right? Like I wanted to wait and see how's LeBron going to embrace LA. You know, what is his intention? What is he focused on? I know he's a winner. What does he want to really get accomplished? And it was last year that it got cut short at Christmas. So you couldn't really see, like, is this guy really on? He, is he really down to win more championships and be that committed from top to bottom? And then this year, <laughs> to me, he he separated himself from some guys that had just passed through the Lakers for a couple of years. <laughs> and again, the mantle that he's had to wear was changed after we lost Kobe. It, it's, it was it's... one thing before that, and it's now something else. And I I do think that he's like his swag and his and his confidence and and we appreciate his humility, but we also are now starting to appreciate the level of authenticity and just real talk that he'll hit us with. And and I think that was one of those moments that you're talking about, Jay, where like Kobe would just say something so frankly honest at especially at the latter part of his career. And that's why many more people started to gravitate towards loving what Kobe had to say because he was just being real at all times. It's, it's so funny, uh, D. Fish, to just hear you talk about, and I've been telling the guys how, you know, the L.A. fan base feel uh, about LeBron mm-hmm. and prior to getting there and the way they feel about him now. But you hit on so many things that I've been talking about. I want to hit on the Sparks this year, uh, the type of season that you guys had, given the fact of everything. What did you take away from this season with the Sparks? Um, man, I think the, the biggest takeaway is is that we still have to do more for our women uh, in the society and, and in sports, uh, and in particular, you know, women of color. Like, I, I just, um, I was inspired, you know, just by the effort um, and the intentions that these women are still putting in to everything that they do, um, still fighting very similar battles of being feeling underrepresented, uh, feeling underappreciated, undervalued, not supported, um, but that they they still choose to try and be the best version of themselves as much as possible. Um, and so my biggest takeaway is that there's more that I can do. Um, you know, it, it, again, a whole season um, that was dedicated to so many things that were bigger than basketball. You know, we carried the loss of Kobe on the WNBA side as well. And and so just that constant reminder every day of his legacy and what he and Gianna were doing for women's basketball, the, the, the takeaway is that I can do more, that I can work harder, that I can put more time in. I can do more interviews to talk about these women, uh, to let people know that it's, it's okay for us to love our sports and love our teams and love everything we already have. We don't have to compare these women to anything else. and just appreciate them for what they are and, and, and what they do. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm just, I'm thankful for the opportunity to try and have a positive impact in some way because I love the game of basketball and I've always appreciated the way women have played the game and, um, I, you know, win or lose in terms of championships, 
I think we're doing some really good things. Uh, you know, Candace Parker had a phenomenal year rebounding from, from injuries and things that set her back last season. And, um, you know, I think if we can get whole and healthy, uh, you know, and every year we're, we're going to have a chance to compete for a title, one of the top two or three teams in the league. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be back next year ready to go. At the age of 34, Candace Parker has been an absolute marvel on the court for decades, and I'm so glad you mentioned that, especially when you go back to Kathy Engelbert, the WNBA commissioner, symbolically drafting Gianna Bryant with the first pick in the WNBA draft, if you go ahead and remember that, Kobe's daughter who died in that crash. So she will be a part of the league's legacy moving on. Fish, really appreciate you joining us this morning. Thank you. Thanks, Steve Fish. Yeah, thanks, guys. Have a good one, man. Take care. One of the all-time great dudes in the NBA. Just a first-class individual. On the way, less than a month ago, the Bears wide receiver Allen Robinson said, trade me. I want to get out of here. Now the Bears are 4-1. What's he saying? What's he thinking now? Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin, the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. And before we let you go... This Wednesday morning, let's bring in one of the NFL's top producing receivers this yeah. season. Allen Robinson, Key's position. The Bears are 4-1, and one, playing some great football. Allen, good morning. Welcome to the show. He joins us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Less than a month ago, there was some dissension, some talk. You may want to be traded. You scrubbed the Bears off some of your social media. Here we are three weeks later. You're playing great. The team's playing great. Where are you with this team right now? Yeah, you know, um, you know, I put that, I put that uh, behind me. You know, as far as the the contract and everything like that. You know, my main focus is playing well. You know, I know at the end of the day, you know, my biggest asset is playing well. You know, so that's what I'm focused on is playing well and trying to help lead this team to win games. Hey, Rob, come on, man. Let me let me 
beat it for you, all right? Let me jump him down for you to get your money. You deserve to be paid in the top five wide receivers in the National Football League. I'll say it for you. The Chicago Nation, Chicago Bears, they'll hear it loud and clear. Let's move on past that because you're going to get your money. I trust that in all. Uh, you're off to a 4 and one start this season. When you look at it, catching passes from Mitch Trubisky, but now Nick Foles is in the lineup. What's the biggest difference in working with Nick Foles, given the fact that he's the number one and not the number two anymore? Yeah, you know, um, throughout training camp, we kind of got split reps, you know, but now um, Nick is a person who's been in this kind of offense before and, and knows what he likes and knows what he wants to get to. You know, so I think the biggest difference for him is that, you know, you got to be aware of a lot of things that, that kind of come, you know, as far as adjustments at the line and stuff like that, you know, because he likes what he likes and he likes to get to that stuff, you know. So, again, um, it's just it's just certain throws, you know, that come out a little bit different than, than, uh, than uh, I mean, uh, for Nick, you know. So it's it's some small things, you know. But, again, the whole process of adjusting to Nick has been pretty, has been pretty uh, easy and we've been able to do it pretty quickly. Hey, Rob, Jay Will here, man. I want you to have some fun with us real quick, especially Keyshawn, because we've had a couple of different segments where he said that you guys aren't as good as your record, that you guys are 4-1. and What are your thoughts on that, man? Talk some trash back to Keyshawn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I, I think for us, you know, we haven't played uh, as well as we have wanted to. You know, but at the end of the day in the league, you know, you we are 4-1, and one, you know. So at the end of the day, we know our best ball is ahead of us. You know, I always say, I personally think the toughest uh, part of the season is the first quarter, you know, because, again, as a team, you know, with a limited training camp and stuff like that, we're we still trying to figure ourselves out a little bit, you know, still trying to, you know what I'm saying, digest what other teams are doing, you know. So that's the that's the toughest part. You know, now that we go into the second quarter, you know, starting the second quarter of season one and no, you know, we kind of established what our identity is. You know, we see what we like, you know, we know what we like to get to and stuff like that, you know. So I think that our best ball is definitely still in front of us right now. All right, Key, you believing in the Bears now? Man, I, look, hey – don't be mad because I'm putting a- you in the spot. A- it's A-Rob. He talking to a- us. Allen, 4-1, and one, there's no question. You play and you beat who they put in front of you. There's no question about it. I still have my reservations, and you can prove me wrong by the end of the season. That's all. It's not – no, you, you my man, thing, so I know you're going to get out. I'm not worried about you. It's the rest of the people. Yeah, you know, and, and again, I – I understand that. You know, I think I think for us, you know, even though uh, Temple is a little bit banged up, you know, I think for us, you know, uh, getting that getting that W and things like that, you know. Again, sometimes you don't get some ugly wins in the league. You know, our defense is playing extremely well right now. For the sake of the offense, you know, we got to pick it up, you know, and score some more points and be better in certain situations. You know, even like in the second half uh, last week, you know, we had way too many third and long. So for us, I think as we continue to build chemistry within our offense, you know, I think we're going to be straight. Let me, let me ask you this, though. I'm going to put you on the spot. And I know you don't really, really, we don't really like to do this when we play. Take yourself out of the equation, though. Who would be – you don't even have to list them in order. Who would be the top five wideouts in the game right now? Yeah, um, no order. I would say DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Julio Jones, Mike Thomas, um, uh, Devontae Adams, and I'll say Keenan Allen. Okay. That's a, that's a, see how that list look, man? Now you throw him in there, and then you throw OBJ in there. I mean, you just – you flavor the month, I guess. Mm. I guess that's the way you look at it. Best of luck this weekend. I know you got a hot Carolina squad coming in. They've won three in a row. Bears, Panthers, Allen Robinson in the squad. Go spotlight. get that money, A-Rob. Go get it. Yes, sir. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right, Allen. Thank you, Allen. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Big story, Jay, that you wanted to hit this morning as we have our final segment. Before I let you go, 
Can we just let it go with the LeBron comparisons to you know who? Well, not that, and also it, that, and also I heard you guys yesterday about you, you know listen? on the yeah, well, I listen to you from time to time, Keyshawn. <laughs> when from you time to time, work? when it's convenient. Um, everybody was talking about you know where should LeBron James have a statue? Right, should he have one down in Miami? Should he have one in L.A.? How many do you need to win to have one in L.A.? And my thing is, I, I, th- I think everybody's missing the point, right? The two places I know for sure he'll have a statue, in Cleveland, yep. for sure, no for doubt. a fact, statue, right? On top of Reintroduce the them to the sports map again. And the last one, I think it's going to be the most meaningful, meaningful one of them all, and that's in Springfield, Massachusetts. I think they should have a statue of LeBron James outside the Basketball Hall of Fame. I mean, when it's all said and done, when he's done playing or three or four years, he will either be first or second in almost every statistical category. Mm-hmm. Like the, the overall career within itself is just absurd. No, he, he look, he's going to get what he's supposed to get. You know, there's no question about it. And, you know, you heard D. Fish, L.A. is a hard place in terms of the Lakers to embrace their guy, Z. Yeah. And he's got one in the bag. One in the bag. Let's see what else happens moving forward. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Your statue, though, you need to go one times three. You need to see three. Jay already said in Cleveland and in Springfield at the Hall of Fame, but in L.A., three. You got to get three. Mm. You got to get three. a task for anyone, right? To even have that conversation, though. And that sounds crazy, right? You heard D. Fish. I wasn't. D. Fish said it. You got to be in a Laker uniform for a period of time. You can't just pass through the doors. Man. Let's just celebrate the fact that they won a championship during a crazy year. Indeed. They can stand on their own. Michael and the King with LeBron's career. Still (laughs) waiting to be altered. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.